this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Jay Allen Show. I hope everything is good and grand inside of your neck of the woods. I cannot believe how quickly we are flying through this year. I know it seems like it's to be a theme that we talk about quite often, but man, where has the good times gone so far in 2021? never know what exactly is going on anyways as we are getting closer to the end of the year i have reached out to my good old friend brent sutton to have him on the episode today for us to sit down and have a talk of what exactly is going on in his side of the world and everything that he's been doing as of late so let's not take too long in regards of doing this and let's get this started right now with this conversation between Brett Sutton and myself here on The Jay Allen Show. The Jay Allen Show is streaming now on safetyfm.live. <laughs> oh, oh, of course you can. I got nothing going on here. <laughs> I can't compete with all that that wonderful, that, that, that shape sound deadening in the background. It's just... Uh, well, I cheat. I cheat a little bit. How have you been? It's been such a long time. I know, I know. At, at least I've, I've improved from having egg cartons. I've, I've got more proper acoustic foam. <laughs> hey, I have egg cartons. You just can't see it. They're just kind of all over the place. Yeah, no, it has been a long time, Jay. It's good to see you, mate. Oh, it's fantastic to see you. So tell me, tell me everything that's going on with you inside of your world. I mean, how has COVID been treating you? I mean, I'm thinking about this here for a moment. It's been what, four Four months, five months. Yeah. I mean, it's been a probably, yeah, yeah. Because we're, we're we're sort of moving into summer. Mm-hmm. It must be nice. I don't even know what that means here. <laughs> <laughs> well, in actual fact, we're we're coming up to our third month on lockdown. Wow. So, but in terms of numbers, uh, Jay, of a population of five million, we're having one hundred and sixty cases a day. Um. And that's serious for us. Oh, oh uh, it, it's interesting that you say that. Um, last week I had the actual privilege of actually being down in New Mexico and they were actually doing, they were having about 77 a day is what, is what they were doing. And I mean, it just kind of, when you start thinking of the scheme of things of how, you know, the different sizes and things, it, it's just amazing to me on, you know, how you were what was, a few, well, what, half a year ago, a year ago, it was a few. And then all of a sudden, boom, things would get closed down. Now you're telling us saying lockdown for three months? That's some rough times. Yeah, it is. Um, and we're hoping to, um, um, you know, once again, the, the, it's the race between the Delta variant and vaccination. Mm-hmm. So Auckland is uh, just got past 90% on the first shot for the population, uh, which is a really good sign. Well, I, it, it's going to be interesting on how the world continues to turn. Uh, I don't know if you're keeping up on what's going on here in the U.S. Uh, mandates go into place January 4th that if you are a private employer and you have over 100 employees, mm-hmm. you have to have them either vaccinated or they have to be tested weekly. Right. We, we've sort of done halfway that already. Mm-hmm. So probably um, a, a reasonable chunk of our employment base has already been mandated by government orders. Um, and there are exemptions, but those exemptions can only be on actual medical grounds. 
very interesting. Where here they have they have exemptions, of course, medical grounds, and then faith based is the is the other side of what they've been doing. And I'm sure we'll we'll get more information as we go um, in, yeah. in regards to that. But I'm, I'm assuming January the fourth is going to be an interesting day here in the U.S. Yeah. You know, I could just see the Church of Jai. I could just see it. <laughs> I, I would probably say the Church of Conklin. I was probably what I would go with. Oh, if no, any- no, no, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the temple. Well, matter of fact, I, I don't think I should say I should <clears throat> see that. That probably already does exist. Well, if, if we roll back to very early podcasts, I think I did refer to <clears throat> Todd in those flowing robes. And we talk about the safety robes. Um, so we're, oh, we're, we're, we're getting close. No, here it's it's not. Um, so human rights is based on faith, you know, religion, you know, sex, all those things. But a government mandate, the only exemption can be for medical. It's going to be some interesting times. So tell me what you have going on, because I, I seen it a few days ago, learning from everyday work. Uh, it seems to be populating everything you got. So So tell us, tell us for those who are, unknowing what you have going on and give us some explanations. Yeah, look, um, I've really been puzzled. Uh, you know, two years ago when, or two and a half years ago, when Todd challenged us about writing a book about learning teams, we were always puzzled about when is the best time to learn. And, you know, there's no doubt that learning teams, you can get really good learnings from, from events but events are always going to be emotionally charged. And I, I always struggle with the notion that a lot of how we go about, um, say, accident investigations, that there's never any learning for the worker. The learning is always focused on the organisation. And, and we wrote about the fact that a learning team, um, learning has to happen both from a worker's perspective and from an organisational perspective. And then we're sort of, we're having this conversation and we talked about it in the book that surely the best way to learn is actually before things go wrong. But how do we learn? And and I remember, you know, Todd talking that conversation about the presence of capacity. So how do we know when capacity is actually present? How do we know when it's used? So we sort of went on this journey the last sort of year and a half sort of, you know, doing a bit of deep thinking. And once again, our our job is not to fix anything. Our job is to uh, try and make things a bit more transparent from that that point of view. And we did some experimenting. And you may recall, because you did that wonderful voiceover for us, for that learning from everyday work video, where we actually started to do some actual experimenting in the field. And it was that experimentation that then led us to actually want to release that as a white paper. And, And to look at learning... Um, from everyday work across a whole raft of um, different perspectives. And, and, and as have you also seen that people like um, uh, Eric Honagel and Steve Shark, they're all beginning to publish now in this, in this language of um, you know, everyday learning, this language of weak signals is becoming more mainstream. Mm-hmm. But we were really focused on, we have to move away from telling people the, the, the what and the why and we need to start focusing on the how and the when. So the purpose of the white paper is really about the how and the when. So explain that to some. Explain that to me. I, I, I always tell people, if you can explain it to me as I was a four-year-old, because that will probably break it down the best way possible. How and the when? How do we get there? Yeah, so, so that, I think it's really fascinating because, because what we're saying is that um, we don't create opportunities 
for workers to learn. So learning is hap- happening um, incidentally, just in the work that people do. But learning has to be deliberate. So we need to create those opportunities. So we came up with four different opportunities. Um, the first one, which came from uh, Jeff Lith, was that concept of the four Ds. Hold on real quick. Jeff Liff from safetydifferently.com. Let's make sure we, we plug him correctly. Yeah, and he's become an international author for the first time. And and I, and he's in shock because as of last night, the white paper was the number one bestseller in safety in Amazon and its third day of being released. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Jeff's up there now. He's he's, he's joined the, the, the book club. Uh, I've said to him, we need to hold a... Cigar and whiskey night in <laughs> um, <laughs> that famous book club. So in, in the four Ds, uh, once again, it's about um, dumb, different, difficult, dangerous. And what it is, we want workers to share with us when they encounter things that don't make sense to them. We want them to share with us when they encounter things that are different from what they'd normally expect. We want them to share with us when they encounter things that are more difficult than it normally is, and we want them to share with us when stuff just doesn't feel right. But when we say share, we don't mean report. We don't mean fill in these 15 pages. Okay, it's about sharing. And that, and that sharing is about actually capturing the voice of the worker and shifting the power to the worker, not the organization. Because if you think about it, so much of safety is a form of intervention. Do workers ask, do they, do they line up and say, please may I, may I have that um, JSA? Please may I have that SOP? Please may I, I have that? No one ever. Is that? <laughs> no, no, they're not asking for it. Okay, it's, it's, it's an intervention that's being imposed. So, so what we thought about is that how can we do it so that it's actually worker-led and the organization supports? And the organization supports simply by listening and being curious. How's that for a dramatic concept? Well, I mean, that that's definitely a shift. That's, that's a change. So how does the mindset change within an organization? Because let's just be realistic. We all fall into this whole scenario of, okay, we have to report something's out of the ordinary. This is what we're accustomed to. So how does that, as we'll say, paradigm shift occur inside of an organization, which starts pushing it that general direction? Sure. Well, I mean, how many organizations believe that, that, that workers report everything? Well, I mean, here's the thing. You start talking to the people that are very um, excited about drive to zero. And for some reason, there's this belief system that that's exactly what's occurring. But as you know, and I know, that's not the case. No, and that, and that appears every time you investigate, you identify the gap between work as imagined and work as done. And in that gap, the four Ds existed. Mm-hmm. But in that gap... I, I love where this is going. I really do. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, when we talk to organizations, they say, this makes sense. This makes perfect sense. But they ask the question, Jay, how? Because... Um, and Eric talks about the fact that, that these things that happen every day are weak signals. And those weak signals become strong signals after it's gone wrong. 
So how do we start to see those weak signals? And remembering there are a lot of noise. There are thousands of weak signals. And in the white paper, um, um, after my interview with Carsten, because I love Carsten uh, Bush and his work around Heinrich, we, we brought the pyramid back. Mm-hmm. And we brought the iceberg back into the into the well, white paper. Well, well, I mean, and you caught some flack about that the moment you posted it on social media, kind of when you were giving some thought process behind it. And I love that, you know, you kind of took this very approach of, hey, this is where I'm getting a lot of my data points from. This is what I, this is the the information that I look for. Are people that were, you know, slinging the stuff is what we'll say on this version of the show uh, uh, about what they were saying and how they didn't agree with how you're reinventing the pyramid. Well, once again, the objective of that video was how context drives behavior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if one was to be self-reflective, the individuals that were slinging stuff um, uh, probably struggled to uh, see context. Right. Therefore, their behavior is being driven <laughs> through the lack of context. <laughs> no, I mean, and I always find it, fun- I find it funny when you go out there and you put stuff out online, you personally, and I just want to make sure that I'm referencing this. Yeah, you go with the facts that you have and the research that you've done, and that's kind of what your your points are. You're saying, "Hey, this is what we're coming up with." And I thought it was interesting on this particular post. It was more along of just attacking you because of you're trying to reinvent. And I didn't feel that at any point that with anything you had posted on there that that was the case. No, I should be saying, isn't it interesting? how you can have two different people of two totally different eras using two different types of language, both saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. And it was purely an observation. And, and, and basically, I love the fact that people are polarised. And if one was to put it into a bell curve, you'll probably find the same thing um, with um, uh, uh, vaccine and unvaccinated people. Oh, I mean, as you know, there is a great divide in a lot of things that we can talk about. I mean, as you know, today as we speak, if we bring up behavior-based safety and HOP, even though HOP is going, we'll say a little bit more mainstream as of late, it's one of those things that there's still a great divide there. The vax and non-vax, there's still a great divide there. I mean, anytime you talk about anything, if you go into politics, there's a great divide. And if you say one thing, you're right, according to some. If you say one, another thing, you're wrong, according to some. It's a heavy mix of which, where, where you want to stand. I, me and, yeah. um, me and, a, and a friend of mine were having um, this big discussion on how the whole hop thing comes about and behavior-based safety and how sometimes you can even take a look at it and tie into politics. Look, <laughs> I, I think it's great that people have convictions. I think it's great that people have strong views. What I ask of people is that when you encounter information that is contrary to your belief, if you look at it through the eyes of others, learning can happen. And if you don't have that capacity to look at it through the eyes of others, then you, you, you've lost that capacity to learn and change. And I think that that's where a lot of the struggle still is. I think as as individuals, we still struggle of being able to have that open conversation. We struggle with, um, you're not going to change what I'm thinking, and I'm not going to change what you're thinking, so why even bother sitting at the table? Is that the right approach? Absolutely not, but I still think that we struggle quite a bit with it. Yeah, and, and look, in the learning team, um, you know, we, we, we coined the phrase diversity of thought. 
you know, we embrace diversity of thought. But what's, what I've always found fascinating is that because a learning team is all about looking at through the eyes of others, you will always get a percentage of people that will then come away with it with some learning. And learning is learning. Whether you learn a little or whether you learn a lot is up to you. But if people don't have that capacity to reflect, and we all do have the capacity, it's just that we actually have to apply it or things have to support us to do that, then we will remain in this phase of, you know, well, I, I still, you know, the 50s was good. The 60s was great. Okay. <laughs> things are going back to normal. No. There is no normal anymore. There is the new normal. This is The Jay Allen Show. Do you have homeowner's insurance for a good reason? Because without it, a fire, flood, or burglary could destroy you financially. But there's another major crime your homeowner's policy doesn't cover. It's called home title fraud. The FBI calls title fraud one of the fastest growing crimes, and it can ruin you financially, which is why you need home title lock. Title fraud happens when a criminal forges your signature on documents stating you sold your home to him or her. Then he or she takes out a loan against your home and leaves you with the payments. You'll spend a fortune in legal fees trying to prove that you didn't commit fraud. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home title. The instant they detect anyone from a cyber thief to a renter to a relative trying to forge the way onto your home title, they'll shut it down just right there, right away. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. And enter the code RADIO for 30 days free protection that's the code radio at hometitlelock.com and don't forget to tell them the jay allen sent you and we are back on the jay allen show on safety fm there's the ever changing there's the ever changing always evolving because yeah. right now if i said hey let's go back to how things were pre-pandemic back to 2019 do you really want to go back to that world is that really the world of what we've learned over the last two years and change, is it going to be really worth of, hey, hopefully, you know, tw- we can have things like they were in 2019. Don't really think yeah. that's the way. So when I cop flack, and by the way, I mean, I, I don't mind because I never take it personally. Um, when I cop flack, um, you know, I always ask the person, what do they learn from it? Yeah, oh, I mean, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. You, you, you slay the sarcasm at its finest. Yeah, I mean, you, you slather it quite a bit. I mean, I always love it. I always love seeing the interaction. <laughs> I might stay quiet, but I love seeing the interaction. Yeah, yeah. And, and I say to them, if you, if, you, if, you so, if you feel so passionate, so strong, write a book. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, and, and then you've earned that. <laughs> you've right. earned that thing. Because all, all we've been doing is... Um, putting things into the public domain for people to think about. It's not about ownership. And I remember I wrote an article for, for Jeff at Safety Differently about the fact that we're trying to do safety differently, but we're actually not deploying it differently. And and do we risk, do we risk <laughs> the drift towards failure, taking a pun from Sydney Decker? Well, there were some people that took that literally. But I said to them, I put it in quotes, which which basically meant I was trying to do the thing that why why shouldn't we be doing safety differently differently? Why are we deploying the same mechanisms 
of um, if you want to get safety two right, you have to retrain all your people to think differently. Hang on, I thought training was a punishment tool in safety one. So It seemed that way. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry, is it now a punishment tool in safety two? Is it because is it because people don't know the stuff? Is that because we're blaming the person because they should have known better? So, so we're just we're just saying this thing about we have to look at it differently. And there was another component that um, a, a client who was in their I think about their fifth year of their journey of hop and learning teams. They were hearing from the organisation Jay that they were they, they were learning um, learning too much. They were learning too much. Oh, but you, you you have to give me a little bit more on that. Learning too much. Yes. In other words, every time they went out, they would learn something. And my, my view was that all organizations have a limited capacity. You have limited resources. So, for instance, if I was to do a conventional investigation that would take me X number of days or X number of hours, and I did it as a learning team, and say that took me like two hours. If I compared those two things, then the learning team's more effective. But the fact is I can only do so many of those because I have a finite resource. So I think what the organization was facing is that it's it still had all these great number of people that, that were still constant. And those people going out, every time they went out, they learned something. And of course, those learnings then had to... Um, then lead to something else. It had to lead to some form of improvement around that. So I found that really interesting. Um, so what we were exploring in the white paper is that, yes, it is true. You can go at any time, talk to someone, listen to someone, and you'll learn something. But what we wanted to focus on is how could we do targeted learning? So how, how could we get workers to share with us all the things that they're facing, how can we start to identify those patterns or those clusters of information, those weak signals? And as those patterns and clusters form, how can we make the organisation curious about that and then actually do some targeted learning? Because to me, that's the holy grail. The holy grail is being able to uh, listen. If we if we go back to the iceberg um, principle, the iceberg theory, organizations only see stuff above the waterline. Yet below the waterline is a is this big mass, and that big mass is all the weak signals that are happening, all the stuff that workers are doing every day. Organizations can't see the mass because there's there's too much of it, Jay. It's just it's just impossible. They can't have everyone everywhere. So our thing was, wouldn't it be great to, to look at the patterns that are forming and, and then be able to make the organisation more curious based on that? And then the organisation, by seeing the context of that, by seeing the worker narrative, they could then actually run a learning team. And the best thing about that is a whole lot of context has already been established. So when the learning team gets together, what we've found is there's a much richer and deeper understanding that occurs. Whereas sometimes a big chunk of a learning team at the very beginning is getting the context established. So that's why it excites me 
because this allows organisations to target learning, where at the moment they're simply going out and saying, can I learn, can I learn, can I learn? Yeah, but, but, here, but here's my question to you. When this organization says they're actually learning too much, going back to the original portion that you were talking about, yeah, what is the conversation you have afterwards? I mean, wouldn't that be kind of part of the reason on why they want you there? For the organization to learn and improve and move forward? Sure. I, I, um, I think th there could be two things. There is, does the organization feel that it is compelled to act every time it learns? So, so go back to, is it this a bit of a hangover from safety one? Mm -hmm. That every investigation has to lead to corrective actions. How can a worker learn from being the output of a corrective action? They can't. No, they can't. Because workers don't get the context. It's no different. Um, I, I say I, the same analogy. Yeah, Organisations are saying, you know, we share our learnings. We share our learnings. No, they're not learnings. You are sharing an outcome. How do workers learn from the outcome? Like, Jay, if I give you the answer to a question, where's the learning opportunity? There's not. It's it's the question that drives everything. It's the question that makes Correct. me think. Yeah. So what we need to be sharing <laughs> is the context. What we found, how we found it, why we found it. You know, all this because that's what generates the learning, not the physical outcome. You know, we're now only going to turn this knob more slowly in the future. Okay. I've got no idea what learning's going to come from that, but that's okay. That's that's what that organization found. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it, it's interesting, but here's the thing. What I want to make sure that people know is that this paper, this white paper is still available. I mean, it's out there. You just recently put this out. You put this out back on at the end of October. Um, but here's, I mean, I don't know if you did. Did you do this on purpose? You are aware that this is available as a free um, download on Kindle Unlimited if you have the Kindle Unlimited portion. Yeah. So if, if you go out there, it is there. Um, I mean, I think it's fantastic. So are you building to write, to write a second book? Is, is this where we're going? Yes. You, you, remember I said to... Um, oh, I, I, I know the answer. I mean, I just want to make sure the people out there know the yeah, answer. Yeah. <laughs> the, the difference here was um, what, what we were keen on doing is rather than writing a new book as such, we're really keen on writing supplements that carry on the work. And through all this experimenting that we've been doing and, and from all the great feedback we've been getting from organisations and particularly from workers, we, we felt compelled to bring this out as a white paper. And, and by the way, it is just as painful as writing a book. Well, I mean, let's be realistic. Um, this thing's 67 pages long is what it has here on the Amazon side of the house. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some safety books that are out there, and I'm not throwing out anybody by name, that you're about three pages shy from a full safety book for them. Just saying. Well, maybe, maybe I'll put some more <laughs> diagrams and I'll, and I'll get up there. <laughs> but no. hey, look, I mean, yeah, look, it, it's like, like everything else. Um, we, we want to get the body of work out into that public domain, into that community to start them thinking. But yes, you are correct. There is, the new book, we don't know when, but we're actively working on that, where we're going to share a whole lot of stories 
and a whole lot of the value that came from this journey, both through the eyes of the worker and through the eyes of the organization. Well, and I mean, but here's the thing, and let, let's talk about it. And I am trying to be as nice and kind as possible. Um, but, but you do notice that there are still a lot of people out there that are um, grabbing some of your stuff, going down the hallway, copying, printing, and then, you know, changing some things up and then saying, this is the idea that I came up with. And they're essentially almost copying exactly some of the stuff that you're putting out. And we'll even go as far as saying, they're almost very close to your neck of the woods. So, yeah, no, and 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 they do, and 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 once again, um, uh, that will never stop. That will never stop. But by does it bother you? It, uh, no, because what 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 I find what makes me laugh, what makes me laugh the most, is that if someone was to look at what those what those types of angels say over time they'll see that their language set is constantly changing and they're mirroring the language that we're using. I, I, I've noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> I've noticed that. And, and, and sometimes, like, for instance, our latest phrase is organizational amnesia in the new white paper. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's popping up, Jay, in a few places. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love setting trends? Isn't it fun? And then all of a sudden, you know, I mean, at least if they gave you credit, I have no problem with it. You know, if they say, hey, this is where we got this, at least give source information. I mean, this is where I got it. I have no problem saying it, oh, saying well, it but I mean, they don't do that. The, the, the thing that frustrates me the most is the people's use of the term learning team. And when I say to them, are you referring to a learning team based on the original work of Dr. Todd Conklin, or you're referring to something else, some other, pardon me, shit that's been made up? Um, I get some really interesting looks. <laughs> and, and I suppose the fact is there are always going to be people that are going to do that because that, that's their, that's their behavior because um, they're wanting, actually they're wanting to control, they're wanting to dominate. So they're actually applying a safety one principle. They're wanting to, to be in control. So it's no different. We we actively chose to release this white paper at very little cost. Okay. And 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 you actually can't do anything for free on Amazon as such. Right. Yeah, as little as no cost to, to basically share it, to get it out there, to get those concepts, those principles um, out there in that way. Um, but it is released under a common copyright provision. Okay, and it's not for commercial gain. That's the whole purpose of it. Because we want people to see these things because um, we want the HOP community, we want the learning teams community, in actual fact, any community that does safety to grow. Because the, I think the power of this thing around everyday learning is it doesn't matter what system you're in. It doesn't matter. And I think well, I said I, to you very early on that we want to be agnostic. Right. Okay. Um, because to me, learning is learning. And the science or the foundation of learning has been around for a long time. We don't need the science of safety when it comes to learning. Well, I mean, I, and I think it's great as you're saying this, because I remember having this conversation with you months and months and months ago when before the, or the original book came out. And you talking about how this could fit into everywhere. It did not have to be just hop. 
It didn't have to be Six Sigma. It didn't even have to be safety one, quote unquote. But of course, they really had to be slightly advanced um, in regards to where some of this stuff would fit in. But I'm glad that you've stuck to those principles in regards of doing this. Yeah, and and look, everything we do goes back to those core principles. So we always everything we do we go back to and and are we are we achieving those five core principles around learning teams, and and I and I and I also still have Todd's five principles around hop and we always go back to that and and are we achieving those principles? Because because it's important that our work evolves over time, but it's also important that we have those underlying principles that carry through. And those people that you talk about that are out there just doing what they're doing, um, they're not following any core principles. They're just trying to follow the uh, the popularity component. I was going to say the almighty dollar, but you took you took the the better approach. Well, I'm I'm more, more kind. Um, <laughs> no, no, look, they're, they're not they're not doing it as a charity. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're not doing it as a charity. And, and once again, we've always been very clear about what we do for community versus what we do for commercial. They're two right. very, very different things. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, you've been one of the, the people that I have spoken to that you have really said said the two, where we want to gain and we want to grow the community and where the differential were. And there was never a, a mixture of the two where there was kind of uh, blended lines where you didn't know where you stood on it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm not a registered charity. Um, you know, potentially after this conversation, I I, I may um, seek um, some form of religious status as a church. <laughs> there could be some tax advantages in it. Hey, you, um, you never know. <laughs> you, well, you, you never you never know. But look, I mean, everyone's on a journey. Um, and, and what we're seeing is that more and more people are joining are joining that journey. And we're doing some interesting work with um, with Jeff at Safety Differently recently, where a number of organisations are starting their hop journey using the four Ds because they're wanting to demonstrate to leadership early. So we call it top down, bottom up approach. They want to demonstrate to leadership early about the power of operational learning, about how to make blue line, black line visible. So then what you're going to have to do is do a learning teams on how that actually has worked out with the organizations that are incorporated that at the very beginning. And I would love to hear what information you come up with. That's the book. That's the next book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now, now we got the next book. So now we just need to figure out timeline. So are we looking at 2022? Uh, yeah, potentially 20. Well, an extra fact. Well, um, because we were cheated out of our last book tour. <laughs> mm-hmm because of a little inconvenience called COVID came along. Um, We're hoping 2022, 2023. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's two things we're hoping for. One is to do a a book tour with all our favorite people in North America. And and then secondly, bring our favorite people down to Australia and New Zealand. No, that could be a road trip. That could be fun. Yeah. So that's that's and and obviously you know I you know I still want to insert a bear comment right now, but I'll just I'll I'll leave it between you and I. I'll just leave that exactly. between you. And I. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and I know that all our all all our favorite people will all be 
fully vaccinated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Every country is shut off um, in that way. So, so look, we, we, we'd like to try and link, link those two things together. You can. But look, no, no surprise when people read that new white paper, you'll, you'll see the themes, you'll see the threads, you'll, you'll see the stuff that we're, we're doing. And, and you're right, Jay, we probably don't have to write much more to turn it into a book. And, and, that, and that's, that's why we call that's it a white paper. But that's the amazing part of the work that you've been doing. I mean, in regards of when you put stuff out, there is a lot of meat on that bone. It's not one of those things where you kind of go, ah, this is guiding me to something else. There is a lot of stuff that you can look at, at the concepts that you're putting out and the stuff that you're discussing. There is. And look, um, big thanks to Todd again for his contribution. I know it was painful. And then I said to him, do us a pod, Todd, and I'll take the pod and I'll, I'll rework your magic. So, <laughs> yep. but very, very familiar in how he does that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But look, it, 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 it's, it, it's a great process because, um, and once again, I was super excited to see that new book um, from, uh, you know, Tony, Ron, and Jim on Critical Steps because, once again, three people getting together to write a book. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I actually will, I will say this right now. I guess I can say it now. I actually had one of the early editions of that book before it was actually released. I know it just recently got released. I've probably been sitting on it seven, eight months, and I did a read through, and, it, and I was amazed at the time of exactly that. The partnership book. And I was like, well, I, I've kind of seen some of this, and I, I like where some of it's starting to go. Yeah, because it, it's... And what we hear from people is that hearing different voices gives greater context to learnings from the book. Mm-hmm. Um, last night there was a LinkedIn post from a wonderful person that was flying and they just spent $20 US to download um, the book. And they said it was the best $20 they'd ever spent. Very good. Well, at least they didn't get stuck where they couldn't do the download. So at least they were able to do well, that. I think, I think they were at the time. I, I think they were using, because, you know, a lot of the commercial flights now have Wi-Fi. Um, right. But I just thought that was, that wasn't that just, wasn't that great? It's the best time to do it. There's plenty of other reading they could do that would put them to sleep. So. <laughs> that was, that was what made it the best $20. You're too funny. <laughs> so if people want to find out more about what you have going on with, of course, with Glennis, and with the other Brent and everything, where can they go to find out more information? Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, there's, there's two things. There's obviously Via Safety FM. There's the podcast series, the Praxa Learning Teams. And look, and we've got some great pods coming up, by the way. Some really good content. Um, uh, particularly our, our uh, Continuing a Women's Series with, with Glennis as the host. That has just proved so popular. So we've got some great people appearing on that and some great topics coming through. And, of course, on the Learning Teams uh, community website as, as, as well. And and also our Learning Teams um, hub. Well. So there you go. That's the episode between me and Brett Sutton. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. To find out more information about Brett Sutton, you can always look on his social media platforms or actually go to his podcast, The Practice of Learning Teams, where him, Brent Robinson, and Glennis McCarthy all hang out and talk about what is going on inside of the world of learning teams. Anyways, I have been your safety manager and host, Jay Allen, and I'll be back with you with another episode of the Jay Allen Show before too long.
Want more of the Jay Allen Show? Go to safetyfm.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.